Let's pray for our veterans. Lord, we thank you for the service offered to our nation by these men and women. It's not cliche to say freedom is not free, and they've paid a price. Thank you for their sacrifice. Thank you for the sacrifices of their families. Uh, Many in this room are veterans. Let them know that they are cherished and loved and honored today and this weekend. Um, We thank you for them. For those who are still serving, um, wherever their post is this day, let them know that you are a God of protection and a God of love. Let them be protected. Keep them safe. Let them come home uh, on the day appointed, and let there be a great celebration in their home uh, on their arrival. Um, We thank you again. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we all say amen. Well, apparently I've been missing a lot of kisses because I didn't know about the snickerdoodle or what's it called? Yeah, Fonzie called. He wants his kissing tradition back. I don't know what decade that's from, but heard a good line last week. Um, The ultimate illustration of a mixed emotion. The ultimate illustration of a mixed emotion is watching your mother-in-law drive your brand new car off a cliff. You might have mixed emotions about prayer. Maybe your friends have mixed emotions about prayer. What do they think about prayer? What do you think about prayer? The Bible says we should pray. I pray sometimes. It seems to work sometimes. It doesn't seem to work other times. Maybe you don't pray anymore. Maybe your friends don't pray anymore. As George introduced earlier, we're wrapping up this brief three-week sermon series called I Have a Friend Who, and today we're talking about I Have a Friend Who Wonders If Prayer Works. Our text for today comes from the New Testament account according to Dr. Luke in the 17th chapter. Jesus is talking to his friends and he gives them a pretty challenging direction about forgiveness. And they're challenged by that and and we'll we'll, uh, read their interaction and their question after that. But Jesus starts out, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. So pretty challenging teaching Jesus gives these men. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Let's come together in prayer. Lord, these words that Jesus shared are true because he spoke no untruths that if we have faith as small as a mustard seed, we can command a tree to throw itself into the sea and it will obey. I've tried that. It it didn't work. So what, what could this mean? Help us unpack this this morning, Lord. Let us understand about prayer for ourselves, prayer that we can take to our friends, to inform them, to encourage them. Um, guide us and direct us. Holy Spirit, be in this place. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. My Lord, my rock, and my redeemer, for Christ's sake, amen. Um, your friend might have different thoughts about prayer, and we'll talk about four different ways we can maybe define them. And the first way is that they might be a doubter. These are people who aren't sure if God really cares about their problems or needs. And if he does, maybe he just doesn't have the power or ability to change things. They've prayed prayers, and it seems not to have made any difference. Our church is full of doubters, and that's okay. I happen to be one of them from time to time, looking for answers, seeking truth. Well, our commitment as a church is to share the truths found in God's holy word. For prayer to work, we need to believe that there's a God who hears our prayers, and we know this from Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him 
must believe that he exists and that he, re- and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. There's another place in the Bible where uh, this man brings his son to Jesus and the boy's in big trouble. He's convulsing, he writhes around on the ground, he foams at the mouth, and it's the desire of this father to have Jesus heal his son. And Jesus says to him, I can heal your son. But the man's response is this in Mark 9:24. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. What an interesting um, statement and then kind of request. God, I believe in you. I believe you can do this, but help me in my unbelief. This is kind of the duality that we live in as Christians. Maybe you're there too. God, I believe in you. Yes, I do, but help me in my unbelief. I am weak. I'm broken. Without you in my life, I have no faith. Help me in my unbelief. Pray for your friend's faith. Have them pray for their own faith. Like this father, cry out, help me overcome my unbelief. The second kind of person your friend might be when it comes to prayer is someone who's disappointed. And by that we mean people who've tried prayer and they believe it doesn't work. Well, I've prayed like the Bible says and nothing happened, so clearly it doesn't work. God said no. Let's talk about three reasons that God might say no to prayers, and this will be helpful for us this morning. The first reason is that God might say no because you've asked with the wrong motives. It's clear in the book of James we are to ask with the right motives. When you ask, you do not receive. Why? Because you've asked with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. There's nothing wrong with pleasurable things. There's nothing wrong with praying for things that we take pleasure in. But God is saying when that's the core, when you're just praying for stuff. I remember, <laughs> I remember praying for a minibike. I was, I don't know, seven. I didn't even, you know, just I, I thought I wanted a minibike. I never got a minibike. And that was okay. But these are the types of things, I'm, when we're obsessed with ourselves, just bring me stuff that's going to bring me pleasure. God is saying we're praying with the wrong motives. God's not going to give us anything that's bad for us. How many times in the past have you prayed for something that you really, really wanted? Lord, please give it to me. And he didn't. And now here in this day, you're looking back and you're saying, thank God he didn't give me that. I've got at least two biggies in my life like that and a whole bunch of little ones like that too. God's not going to give us something that's bad for us, so he'll say no because we're praying with the wrong motive. There are some times that we are asking things that are good for us because we, if I can be frank with you, we're overestimating and having an overconfidence in our abilities, skills, and talents. We're praying for something and we think, you know, God, I would just like jive right into that. You've talented me this way, so give me that opportunity or whatever and it's all going to work out great. And God is saying, you're not as talented in that area as maybe you think you are. And it's a prideful thing. It's a puff myself up kind of thing. And God says, I'm going to say no to that because you're praying with the wrong motives. In a way, we could say that we're praying the wrong way when we pray with the wrong motives. It kind of reminds me of people who drive in the snow. You ever see someone who drives the wrong way in the snow? We're just about to enter that uh, season. Maybe you're one of them. No offense. I found this online uh, this week. This is a, a, a weather guy in the south. If you rarely drive on snow, just pretend you're taking your grandma to church. There's a platter of biscuits and two gallons of sweet tea in glass jars in the back seat. She's wearing a new dress and holding a crock pot full of gravy. (laughs) Driving the right way in snow. Praying the right way. Praying with pure, humble, selfless motives. And we'll continue on that in just a bit. The second reason God might say no is that because his plan is better. Jesus, the day before he's to be executed, 
He's really going to die. They're really going to drive metal through his body onto a tree, onto a cross. Not metaphor, not hyperbole. It's really going to happen. He's pretty stressed out. And he says, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Deliver me out of this situation. Get me out of here. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Not my will, your will be done. God's plan was better even though it required Jesus to die on a cross. How many of you know that God's plan for your life is better than your plan for yourself? Take some years to come to that recognition, to that understanding. God's plan is better for you. Found this uh, Christian article uh, this week in uh, Christianity, Christianity Today. Her name is uh, Margarita Garcia. She's a woman in Texas, married with a family, loves Jesus. She's sure that God had uh, in store for her future missions. Just tell me where to go, Lord. We'll, go, we'll take the whole family anywhere. Just make it clear where we're supposed to go. We'll set up mission. We'll teach people about Jesus. Just tell me where it's supposed to be. I'm sure this is supposed to happen. Prayer and prayer and prayer, and God's not moving them anywhere until she came to understand that God's plan for her was to stay exactly where she was, become an elementary school teacher, minister to the children in her classroom and their families. God's plan was better. And she says, I'm so glad God's plan is better than mine. I, I can't imagine my life if it went my way. I know there are situations in life when it's difficult to trust and follow his direction. We want to make sure our family's taken care of. We want all the pieces of the puzzle to be in place. We look around and think we got it, but the truth is we don't. God knows better. He wants to show us that there is greater purpose and that we can trust him. The third reason that God might be saying no to your prayers, to your friends' prayers, is because it's not time yet. God works with a very different understanding and use for time. God works with a very different understanding and use for time. It's clear in 2 Peter 3.8, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. There's a tree in my backyard that I want to share with you for very selfish reasons because I want, to have, I want you to have pity on me and feel sorry for me. I took this on Wednesday. It's about in the same shape. What do you notice about this tree in Northeast Ohio on November 10th? The leaves won't. I'm, the leaves are, come on, I'm the guy that's responsible for raking leaves. I put them on that blue tarp that I've had for a billion years and I drag them to the front lawn and leave them. This thing won't drop its leaves. Come on, it's freezing. It was really nice a couple days ago. Drop the leaves, God. It's not time yet. Now, it's almost insulting for me to compare me wanting the leaves of my tree to drop with you waiting for big things in life. Come on, God. Heal him. Stop my kid from being bullied. Come on, God. God says, it's not my time yet. This doesn't make sense to us because God's use for time, his understanding of time, is very different than ours. Ecclesiastes 2.11, man, we could do a sermon series on this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Is it true? He has made everything beautiful? The worst of the human condition, he will turn into something beautiful? If the Bible's true, this is true, but it'll happen in its time, just not right now. Lamentations 3.26, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So if we're to understand that God is saying no because of our motives, because he's got a better plan for us, and because of his timing, if we're to walk in that and understand that it takes a full measure of 
humility. A full measure of humility. Proverbs 11:2. with humility comes wisdom. Understand that God has the big picture. We don't. That he has full understanding that we don't. That he has a perfect vision of the future that we don't. Full humility. The third kind of person your friend might be when it comes to prayer is the distracted. The, the person who just doesn't even pray anymore. They're busy with life. I'm sure it's okay with God that I don't pray, pray much. You can share this text with them from 1 Thessalonians. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Had a prayer seminar here decades ago, I remember, because this room wasn't even built. We were in the sanctuary. Uh, a Lutheran pastor whose last name, I believe, is Zender came in, and it was a Friday afternoon into the evening, and then it started back up on Saturday. It was really revolutionary in my life when it came to prayer. And I'll never forget the title of the seminar, Prayer Has It Really Come to This? And what a brilliant thing to name a prayer seminar, as if to say that prayer is our last resort, as if to say we only pray when things get super desperate, as if to say we only pray when nothing else is working. No, God says pray continually. How's your life in that area? Mine's okay, I'm trying to get better. Some of the things that I do to help me that way is to see cues in the world that remind me to pray. I try to pray every time I see a plane fly overhead. I really do. I pray for the pilot and the flight attendants who are working hard and the people who are traveling for whatever reason and the people they left behind and the people that they'll be joining at their destination. And I pray for the airplane that it would remain strong and the wings would have strength. And I thank God for physics and somehow this miracle of flight is happening and through physics and our understanding of it, this plane is staying in the air. It helps me to be in prayer. I, I pray continually. I see a queue like an emergency vehicle, and I, I pray. I pray for the first responders going to get somebody or to rescue somebody, and that their vehicle would uh, perform well, and they'd get there safely, and for the people they're rescuing, and for their families who are concerned, and for the doctors and emergency staff that they'll deliver them to, to that they would do their job well. It's just their cues in life that remind me to be in prayer continually. And those are little ways that I do it, and, and maybe you have little ways too. You see something gorgeous in nature, and Thank you, God, that you thought of that and made that for me to see in creation today. You, you see someone in need, whatever it is, the guy on the street, or you're, you're praying for them. Pray continually. There's a couple things that we as humans do continually, and one of them is breathing. And we can think about prayer like breathing. Breathing out is our expression of gratefulness to God or our praise or our adoration and even our requests to God. That's our breathing out to him. And then our breathing in, we sense God's heart. We're close to him. We kind of take him in. Sometimes we even hear from him. Pray continually. I know you have the time because last week you got an extra hour. Anybody goof that up? I know of one person who was here an hour early last week they enjoy donuts and pizza. There's one guy who doesn't want to change his clocks the traditional way. Uh, before I get to that, uh, this one, we ought to pray as consistently and frequently as we check our phones. How's that for a reminder? And now to the guy that doesn't want to change his clock in the traditional way. He changed his clock this way. I'm not sure if that's what I'm going to buy into. So three things that might help you. Um, there's not really a place to write these in on your, um, uh, on your folder, but find a place. Establish a routine. Uh, make it a priority. Someone jokingly on the way out last night said, I'm going to write it on my calendar. 
And I said, yeah, you should. And then they, they were surprised that I was I literally meant write it in your calendar. Put it in your phone if that's your schedule or write it down. Listen, I don't have it all together either. I don't mean to be the guy that stands up here and tells you that I've got it all right and you don't. But here's what I do if this is a help. I wake up, I use the restroom, I brush my teeth, wash the crud out of my eyes, heat up a cup of coffee from yesterday's pot in the microwave. I go to my desk, I light a candle, I read my portion of scripture for the day, and I pray. And what a privilege that is to be in God's presence first thing. I want him to know that he is my all in all. He's A number one for me, so I will spend the very first part of my day in his word and in prayer. And I'm certainly not the, the, the model of, of perfection for sure, but maybe that's an inspiration for you. If you gotta get up earlier, get up earlier. It's worth it. I can't imagine God's going, it's okay that you didn't pray today because you needed an extra half an hour of sleep. I mean, we can get into a whole debate about health and sleep and the necessity for Sabbath and all those things. But schedule a time to pray. Write out your prayers. Maybe journaling can help you recall how God fulfilled requests in the past. It'll give you a path of where you're going in your prayer. Keep a prayer journal. And thirdly, just recognize what an adventure this is. I mean, think about what prayer is. We get to connect with God who's running everything, who is beautiful, who is enormous love on a scale that we can't even imagine. We get to plug into him and speak with him and praise him and adore him and allow him to press down on us in the special, unique communication that he not only allows us to have, but encourages us to have. The fourth kind of person that your friend might be is the, oop, is the daring Someone who is daring. These are the people who, by the work of the Holy Spirit, are bold and confident and come before God in prayer. Hebrews 4.18, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. More help from this from Ephesians 3.12, in him and through him, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Be confident in your prayer that God is hearing you. We have that confidence because of what Jesus has done for us. I got some pretty bad news for you in church on a Sunday morning. God doesn't want anything to do with you. When God sees sin, that's me, that's you, we're born into it. He says, I can't have it. I'm holy. I'm pure. I'm clean. You guys are defiled. You guys are wretches. You guys are a mess. But the reason we celebrate, the reason we jump to our feet and applaud at what Jesus has done is we've been delivered out of that into a righteousness with God. Now he looks at us and he says, you're pure, you're holy, come be with me. Not because you were good enough, not because I did enough good stuff, but because the A plus that Jesus earned by living a perfect life is his gift to us. He says, it's yours, just believe that I'm the son of God and I've come to forgive your sins and follow me. And then now you are an A-plus in the Father's eyes, and he welcomes you and says, come be part of my kingdom. And your sins are forgiven, and the wrath of God that you deserve because of your sinfulness was poured out on Jesus. So now because we're made right with him and made pure, we have a confidence to come to him in prayer. Recognize your greatest needs. There's a Christian author that's named Paul Miller. He says, learned desperation is at the heart of a praying life. Learned desperation is at the heart of a praying life. It takes you a couple decades to get here, maybe. It took me a while to understand that, man, I got no control over things. I'm desperate. As much as I want things to go well, as much as I want things to go my way, I don't have any control. I am desperate. 
So I come to God in that desperation. I say, I submit. Your way is better than my way. Whatever you have for me is okay with me as long as you are with me, Lord. And understand that prayer is not going to be easy all the time. Maybe on some levels prayer is easy, and that's okay. But scripturally, we find that it's actually pretty difficult from time to time. There's a a cat named Epaphras. He's a friend of Paul's, and he's um, working with the people... um, in the book of Colossians. And Paul says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. We earlier mentioned that Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane prayer. That wasn't an easy prayer. He was struggling. The Bible says he was so stressed out that he was sweating drops of blood. Prayer is not always going to be easy. Sometimes it's hard work, and that's okay. We live in a fallen world. We live in a broken world, and dealing with the issues of life in prayer can be challenging at times. If your prayer is hard, sometimes good. It's supposed to be. Be challenged in prayer. Don't be turned off by it when it's a struggle. Enjoy the process. Understand that God is hearing from you, and he's touching you in a unique and really privileged way in your prayer time. Well, a couple next steps for you at the bottom of your worship folder, things for you to work on this week, maybe things to pray about. Commit to connecting to God through regular prayer. Would you make that your commitment? Regular prayer. Number two, remember that at times prayer is difficult. You'll struggle, maybe even frustrating. Hang in there. Keep praying. Three, establish a routine and try to write out your prayers. Maybe that'll be helpful for you in this area of prayer. Well, let's come together in prayer as we wrap up the message. Thank you, God, that you hear us. That really could be the essence of our prayer. Thank you, God, that you hear us. I mean, how amazing is that? But specifically, you hear us as we cry out in adoration and praise, in repentance and confession, crying out for mercy and forgiveness, praying the petitions of the day for our families, for our world, for those that are sick, for those in need. Coming in humility with a learned desperation and understanding that I have no control over any of this and I'm desperate for your guidance and your grace and your mercy in my life. Lord, let us be a praying church. I know we are. Let us, I don't know how to say this correctly in English, let's be more of a praying church or let's be a church that prays more. Not because um, um, volume is better, but a lifestyle of prayer praying throughout the day, submitting to you, giving up. Hands up, I give up, Lord. It's your world. I am your child. Guide and direct me. We thank you for the privilege of coming before you. Holy Spirit, come, move, guide, and direct us. In Jesus' precious, everlasting, and never-changing name we pray, and together we all say, amen.